Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. Amen. It's good to see you all. And it's been interesting um, searching the scriptures, wrestling with the Lord as to what would be shared today. And I suppose if you've been here for the last couple of weeks and months, you would kind of like see that there's been some type of consistent theme running through the messages which the Lord has been speaking to us about. You know, we've had people come from Africa, people come from America, people come from Europe, people come being homegrown, Peter and Richard. And it seems that there's this consistent theme just running through it saying like, Jesus is asking the question. Jesus is saying, basically, what is it going to take for you, me, to make Jesus our priority? So the question really I want to start off with today is, how do we make Jesus our priority? Not because we have to, but because we want to. Not because we need to, and we do need to, but thinking of it this way, because we get to. Who's ever thought of it that way? We get to pray. We get to have a personal relationship with the Lord. We get to be part of his kingdom. We get to be part of all that Jesus is. It's not like the Lord is saying, going like, make sure you do this, my son, my child, my daughter. The Lord isn't a hard taskmaster. We get it twisted in our own thoughts, in our own lives, that we feel like Jesus is making us do something we really don't want to do. And at the end of the day, Jesus is saying, do you know what? This is good for you. This is going to benefit you. And so, you know, we should really have the attitude that we're grateful that we get to pray. We're great, we should be grateful that we can come here corporately together and lift up holy hands and praise his name. Is he worthy? He's worthy. We sing songs as we lift up holy hands. And I know when I used to rave, when I used to be out there in the world, it, it didn't take much for me to say, oh, tune, tuned. <laughs> didn't take much. Yo, DJ. DJ. <laughs> I lie. And we come to church and we struggle to go. And he's meant to be worthy. Interesting. So, what, what is it going to take to make Jesus our priority? That's my question, and it's going to be running through the whole theme of this. You know, is Jesus 
worth saying no to the world and its demands? Is Jesus really worth making a sacrifice for? Is he worth saying no to the thing that I think I desire so much? And he says, that's not good for you. Is Jesus worth and is he worthy of waking up early in the morning and praying to? Is he worth starting up a conversation with a stranger or your work colleague or a family member? Is he worth it? Is Jesus worth turning off the TV or the secular music or is he worth these things? The TV which wants to bombard us with all these thoughts and really we should be bombarding our thoughts with God's thoughts. Righteous thoughts. And, you know, you'll most of you know me. I like real talk. And generally, we make the claim saying, Lord, I want to be more like you. Lord, not my... But, but that's not our reality. That's not our reality. Our reality is that when it really comes to it, we don't want to make the sacrifices that are necessary to be like Jesus. So the Lord in his word, you know, it's like, you know, how does a a child learn? A child learns through repetition. And so we see that in God's word, it's like a lot of repetition. He says the same thing over and over again, kind of like puts a little slant, different slant to it. But he's saying the same thing over and over and over again. He's saying, remind yourself how you should be if you're saying you're my child. Because my word is like a mirror. And it would really reveal what you look like. And so, the Lord himself, in the scriptures, you know, he says to us things like, daily pick up your cross and follow me. But first, deny yourself and then pick up your cross and follow me. Denying yourself. And, you know, as I consider that portion of scripture, I found it interesting that all four gospel writers mention the same thing. It's like a nail, and they're going, well, we need to hit this nail. We need to let let people know that this is important. Some of the gospel writers even mention it twice. Now, if you're taking notes... References such as Matthew 10, 38, Mark 8, verse 34, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Luke 14, verse 27, and John chapter 12. But just to touch on it, I want to look into an account given by Matthew. And for those who are students of the word, you know that Matthew is the gospel of the king. All four Gospels have a different theme. Mark is the Gospel of the Servant. Luke shows Jesus in his humanity, and John shows Christ in his deity. But Matthew, the Gospel of the King. And the back of your mind, just remember that as we're going through today's message. 
Matthew 16, 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man or woman if he gains the whole world and loses his or her own soul? Or what will a man or woman give in exchange for his or her soul? Powerful words. And the answer to the questions in verse 26 is simply nothing. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? There's no profit. Nothing at all. But moving on, what I find interesting is in the next, before we hit the next verse, it's like the Lord shifts gears. And he starts speaking of a future period. And he explains the benefits in one verse of living with such an attitude of wanting to deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. He says in verse 27, for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels. And then he will reward each according to his works. Wow. If we compare each gospel account, we see that, as I said, there is a denying of self, a cross to bear, and then a following. And we see that being part of God's kingdom, you know, means that we have something which Jesus says is a reward to work for. Not works for salvation, but works from salvation. Interesting. But again, as I said, more often than not, as believers, this is not our reality. We don't want to deny ourselves. We don't want to pick up a cross. And we don't want to follow the Lord. That's what we're really saying. I'm not going to deny myself, Jesus. I'm not going to pick up my cross. And so he says, well, really, are you following me then? The reality is that we are all, me included, pretty much guilty of living for ourselves on one level or another. Desiring and wanting to get our own way. And you know... This can be in relation to our own goals, our dreams, our appetites, our emotional needs. Sometimes we're guilty of subtly just manipulating situations and circumstances so we get our own way. Can I get a witness? Sometimes we think we know best. And you know what the Lord says? Well, you know what? You think you know best, but there's a way that seems right unto a man. 
but the end of it is death or destruction. We think that we can do better than others. And the Lord says in his words, do you know what? You should really esteem others higher than yourself. We, again, subtly think that people are there to serve us and our interests. But then we look at the example of Jesus and we see how he serves us. And so, as I said, within the scriptures, it's like repetition. And we see that we need to continually remind ourselves that our own selfish ways are not the way of the master. It's not the way of the king. It's not the way of the kingdom. And so, the messages over the past few weeks and months seems to be having this theme. It's like, it's like the Lord saying, what's it going to take to get my children to get with the program? And today, you know, it could have just been a nice little, oh, let's just look at the scriptures and be encouraged and, you know, we'll go home happy, happy, happy and get on with what we're doing. But you know what? I feel the Lord is just really just saying, my people need to hear this. My people need to be reminded. Now, if you look into the Old Testament, um, we see that there's many prophets, major prophets, minor prophets, minor prophets because they wrote a little bit less. But when we look at the accounts of the prophets, you know, it's like God will raise up a prophet just to tell the people, you're off key. You've gone astray. You're not doing the things which I've called you to do. You need to fix up. And if you don't fix up, I'm going to bring judgment. Not because I hate you, not because I don't like you, but because I want to straighten you up. Because I want you to follow me in spirit and in truth. And so, just considering how the messages have been going over the past weeks and months, it's like God has been prophetically speaking. And the Lord Jesus in the Gospels, he often says, he who hasn't let him Let him hear. And so, as I said, wrestling with the Lord, I was like, Lord, how do I encourage my people? My people, your people. How do I encourage your people, Lord? How do I encourage myself? You know, if I'm not making Jesus my priority, how do I make him my priority? Give me something practical, Lord, so that we can do something about it. So it isn't just sort of like this idea out there which is like sounds good but well how do you attain to it and the lord just spoke to me and he said well he didn't really say like this but for me it was like patrick patrick it's the good old meat and potatoes repetition and so let's look at an account where I believe the Lord really wants to speak to us. Please turn in your Bibles to Second Samuel, chapter 23. And this same account can be found in First Chronicles, chapter 11. 
And when you're there, could you say amen? Amen. Second Samuel chapter 23, starting from verse 8. And it says, These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joshibasheth, the Tachmanite, not sure if I pronounced that right, chief among the captains. He was called Adino the Esnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defiled the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. After him was Shama, the son of Agi, the the Hararite, Harry's people, Harriet. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils then the people fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Verse 13. Then three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines encamped at the valley of Rephaim. David was there then in the stronghold, And the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it. But poured it out to the Lord. And he said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. Amen. Amen. An amazing account of the heroics of David's three mighty men which, you know, some of you may recall that Richard alluded to a couple of weeks ago. We see in verses 8 to 12 that we have this description of the free. And the description gives us an indication of what made them mighty men. And as we go through our text, we're going to see that the descriptions are very important. And then... Verses 13 to 17 describe a particular incident that these three had relating to David, the king. So the first of the three is found in verse 8. His name is Josheb Bathshebeth, the Tachmanite, or JBT. Also called Adino, the Esnite. He was the chief among the captains. The text says that he killed 800 men at one time. 
The original King James says that he lifted up his spear against 800 men at one time. And I mention that because this rendering from the King James Version perhaps gives us a better understanding of the parallel verse found in the New Testament. You know, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, first the natural, then the spiritual. So when we read our scriptures, you know, there's a natural element to it, but then obviously there's a spiritual element, a spiritual application. So in the New Testament, the reference we have, which relates to this, this is found in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, which says, I desire, therefore, that men or women pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Adino the Esnite lifted his hand up 800 times in one day. He was a man of prayer. The Lord here is giving us a picture of the importance of prayer within our lives. Of lifting up holy hands in worship. We sung the song today. So I'll raise up holy hands to praise the Holy One who was and is and is to come. Lifting up holy hands in worship, in prayer. And some of you, as I'm saying this, you know, you may recall the incident with Moses when Joshua was in the valley fighting and Moses was on the mountaintop. And the scripture says that as Moses lifted up his hands, Israel prevailed. But soon as Moses' hands went down, it's like Israel started to lose the battle. As soon as Moses' hands became weary, Israel started to lose the battle. And so, again, we see this picture of the importance of prayer. Individual prayer. But here, in the account with Moses on the mountaintop, we see the importance of corporate prayer. Because Aaron and Hur helped Moses to raise his hands. And so we cannot highlight enough the importance of prayer in the believer's life. Is Jesus worth waking up early in the morning for to pray? Is Jesus worth taking that time out during the day to pray? Is Jesus worth Every decision I'm going to make, Lord, what do you think about this situation? Covering it in prayer. Is he worth it? The text says that Adino the Esnite was chief among the captains. Again, this this should show us that prayer must be chief among our priorities. Prayer. He 
he lifted up his hand 800 times in one. Well, how many times should I pray in one day? Well, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 says that we should pray without hallelujah. Pray without ceasing. So we see that here, prayer is the first key ingredient of denying ourselves, picking up the cross, and following Jesus. Next, we have in verse 9. And this guy is called Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahoahite. Eliezer's name actually means God is my help. And he was one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. Can you imagine? I mean, I get excited when I read these things. Can you imagine how this hand's guy, this, 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 this guy's hand literally stuck to the sword? So intense was he in the battle. I mean, you can only really get a picture of this when you watch Gladiator or something. Can you see Marcus Aurelius or whatever his name is? And you're just thinking, whoa, warriors. Or if any of you like Long of the Rings. Long of the Rings? Long of the Rings. And the battle for Helm's Deep. And those guys are just in the thick of the battle. And you're just thinking, whoa, is that how it was back in the day in those times? This guy's hand stuck to the sword. And this was the heart and the spirit in which he lived in order to be pleasing to his king, David. David, you're my king. The enemy wants to defile us. The enemy's coming against us. I will back it for you, David. Even to the point where my hand will stick to this sword, I'm going to defend it. Are our hands sticking to the sword? Listen to the verbs in, in, in verse 10. He arose. He attacked. His hand was weary, but... His hand stuck to the sword. He wasn't just there. He became proactive. Proactive in handling his sword. Knowing how to wield his sword. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17. It encourages every believer to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Ephesians chapter 6 goes and says, having done all to stand, stand. Hebrews chapter 4 says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Scary. Scary. 
Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do or to whom we must give an account. Quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. That's what God's word is. Is Jesus worth me looking into the scriptures and knowing how to rightly divide the word of truth? Is Jesus worth me taking the time to study a passage, to do a word search? Oh, what does the Greek word actually mean in that verse there? Is he worth it? So we see that study, knowing how to handle God's word, the sword of the spirit, is important. It's the next key ingredient of a life of denying ourselves, picking up our cross, and following the Lord. Next we have in verse 11, this guy's named Sharma, the son of Agi, one of Harriet's people. The Hararite. Amen. Harriet is a woman of the word. Don't play with that sister. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. Lentils? Why lentils? Well, it says lentils. Then the people fled from the Philistines. You know, you'd think that lentils just wasn't important. But he, Sharma, stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Wow. The enemy's coming to attack. <laughs> All your brethren who you fought with your brethren have run away. But Sharma says, I'm staying. This is the patch which which David said that I need to defend. That was the command from the king. Do you know what? You guys run. I'm staying. I'm going to defend this ground. He stood alone. Anybody feel like they're standing alone in a situation right now? Nobody knows what I'm going through. I'm standing alone. Good. The Lord wants you there. He says, be faithful in it. He stood alone. And here we get this New Testament picture of God saying, we need to be good stewards. We need to have a heart of servitude. Stewards in the sense how, you know, Steve was up here, done a great job. He's a steward over his children. He says, well, they're my children, but they're not really my children because they're your children, Lord. You've given me stewardship over them, and I need to be a faithful steward. A faithful steward. The Lord may have given you some responsibility, and he says, you know what? You're a steward over that. Be faithful. Stop moaning and complaining about the job which I allowed you to have. Be a faithful steward. Have a heart of service. 
You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Moreover, <laughs> moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. If the Lord has given you something, it has placed something in your hands, you need to be faithful of it, over it. I need to be faithful over it. You know, we read the passage in Matthew, and it says when the Lord comes with his angels, you know, he's going to give us reward. What does the Lord say when we go into, into he says, well done, my good and so if we're not faithful, well, you really reckon we're going to get that commendation there? It could be faithful in a big thing. Do you know what? You don't know my position, man. I'm a head of a company. Safe. Praise God. The Lord allowed you to be head of a company. But you don't know my position. I don't really have a, a role. I'm just a parent. <laughs> That's a big role. You need to be faithful. It doesn't matter what the size or what you, how you value it. It's how does God value what he's given you. We need to see God's value of it. And we need to be faithful as stewards and faithful servants. The Lord has demonstrated it to us. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And none of us are greater than our master. If he can serve... I can serve. You can serve. You're not too big to serve. I'm not too big to serve. And so, servitude is the third key ingredient of a life of denying ourselves, picking up our cross, and following the Lord. You know, we have guys here who are part of the Tabernacle crew, um, team. And you know, it's a sacrifice to come here early in the morning when nobody else is here and start setting up sound system and drum kits and putting out chairs and things, like, putting out the Sunday school stuff. That's a sacrifice. But you know what? That's a beautiful characteristic of who God is. A servant. Well, I don't want to go into Sunday school because then I'll miss the main service. Well, maybe you need to go into Sunday school because you'd be more blessed there. Giving of yourself. And you know, we could all get into a place where we just want to sit down and be fed. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. And we never give out. And I've often said it before, but you know about stagnant water? It starts to smell. Not good. And so, within these verses, you know, we've seen prayer. The importance of prayer. We've seen the word. And we've seen faithfulness in service. Verse 13. Then the three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. So right, we look at the text now and it's, it says it was harvest time. Therefore, we can presume that it was hot. The situation here is that David, David was on the run. 
from Saul. And Saul had one intention. He wanted to kill David. And this is the reason why David was in this crummy old cave called Adullam's cave. And being in this situation, David had the real potential and possibility of being discouraged. Being discouraged himself and that transferring onto his men. But David kept his focus on the Lord. And likewise, in our lives, you know, maybe some of us are running away from people. Maybe some of us are running away from situations. And true, if we're running away from people or we're running away from situations, you know, those things can bring despair into our lives. Not trying to deny it. They can bring discouragement in our lives. But the key, like David, is to keep our focus on the Lord. The key is to keep these elements in our lives which are going to help us and benefit us. Keep praying, keep in the word, and keep serving as unto the Lord. Whatever the situation is, we have the power, we have the strength to overcome. Revelation, he who overcomes. Bam. We need to hold on to those verses and say, yes, I want to be an overcomer in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, verse 15. And David said with longing. And I love this verse. David said with longing. Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. The king had a desire. It wasn't a command. It was a simple vocalized longing. A longing for the cool, refreshing taste of water from the well which David used to drink from as a boy. That sounds like an advert, doesn't it? The cool, refreshing drink from the well. Anyway. The cool, refreshing taste of water from the well, (laughs) which was by the gate in Bethlehem. David here in our text had a desire for a natural drink that would quench his thirst and bring about a refreshing to his soul. Jesus, the king of glory, you know, from cover to cover, You know, he utters the same personalized longings throughout the scriptures for his children to just bring refreshing to their souls. You know, ultimately, you know, it says that Jesus desires that, 1 Timothy 2.4, all men will be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Oh, with longing, Jesus says, I wish that all men will be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Jesus says with longing that we should always pray and not lose heart. 
Jesus says with longing that we should study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Jesus says with longing, oh, I wish that my children would run with endurance and that they be found faithful. You know, we as believers should desperately desire the spiritual water that only Jesus can provide for us. What's that song what Tim sings, how I'm desperate for you? I'm desperate. Who's ever been desperate for something? I'm desperate for it. I'm desperate for you, Lord. Wow. That's what Jesus is longing for, that people would be desperate for him. It is only the Lord's water that is able to quench the thirst of our soul. If you don't believe it, just read the account in John 4 with the woman at the well. In John chapter 7 and verse 38, it says, He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then in verse 39, it's very interesting because it says, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, water has this specific reference to the Holy Spirit. Longing for the Holy Spirit to quench the thirst of our soul. And so David says with longing, oh, that I could get a drink from that well in Bethlehem, which is by the gate. The three mighty men, they heard the longing of King David's heart. And as I said before, it wasn't a command. It wasn't something they had to do, needed to do, but <laughs> their actions were something they got to do.